You're listening to the Wealth Standard Podcast's Financial Friday, a dedicated show about how to apply principled theory to a financial strategy, getting you one step closer to financial freedom. Hey, everyone. It is uh, really an honor to be able to talk about financial strategy with you in the 2019 Financial Friday season. This is going to be the first episode. And instead of me going into, you know, a kind of a diatribe of my financial philosophy, I'm going to actually uh, replay the presentation I gave at the 2018 Cashflow Wealth Summit. So some of you guys are familiar with it. Some of you may not be familiar with it. But for more information, you can go to cashflowwealthsummit.com. We also have a podcast, the, the Cashflow Wealth Show. But I'm going to just introduce the topic that I spoke of in uh, this past fall's Cashflow Wealth Summit and relating to my financial philosophy. So for those of you who have listened to the Wealth Standard for a long time, have probably come to an idea of what my just philosophy is in, uh, in general. But when it comes to my financial philosophy, I believe it's very, very similar, if not the same. So the presentation you're going to see is one way in which I like to explain it. I, I thought this out quite a bit for the book that I came out with last summer, Heads I Win, Tails You Lose, Financial Strategy to Reignite the American Dream. And it's what's called the hierarchy of wealth. And the inspiration behind it was the nature of an investment and how an investment is evaluated by an individual. I don't think it's evaluated in the exact same way. And I look at you know the Maslow's hierarchy of needs as well as the framework in which I built the hierarchy of wealth. So Maslow, you know, has a hierarchy or a process by which humans meet their needs, starting with physiological, ending with self-actualization. And there's a number of them in between, but there is a process where you go step by step. You don't necessarily skip steps. So I look at the hierarchy of wealth, and I believe that there is a starting place, which is uh, the foundation. Now, I rank these different levels of wealth or categorizations of wealth based on the degree of control as well as risk. And there's definitely a different way of looking at something depending on the person looking at it. And that's where the control and risk come into play. So looking at the hierarchy of wealth, it starts with the foundational tier of tier one. And that tier one has certain characteristics of wealth and a certain percentage of your overall financial strategies that should be in that foundation. And then there's a tier two where you progress to, which has a good degree of control, perhaps slightly more risk associated with it. And then tier three, which has uh, less control and more risk. And finally, tier four, which has very little control, if any control, and very high risk. Now, looking at the financial strategies of today, the typical financial plan, it's a kind of an inverted pyramid. People start with the most risky, uh, whether it's mutual funds or stock market-based investing, where they don't really have much control and also take on a tremendous amount of risk as it relates to the performance of their overall strategy. And I believe that that is the opposite way to actually look at it. So you guys are going to learn quite a bit in this presentation. But throughout the Financial Fridays, I've actually already recorded several of the interviews, I'm going to be talking with who I consider uh, experts, some I know very well, some I don't know very well. And the nature of the questioning is around the financial strategy that is their business. And these are individuals that offer their services to investors. And you're going to see that I take two angles. The first angle is the actual service and product, like what they actually do. 
Well, what I believe is really why a business succeeds or fails is the other angle that I take, which is around their business operations, which I believe is a, you know, just an angle that most people don't know how to take. And I believe it's the most important because financial failures, investment failures typically come from the operations, not the product itself. And I think the good example of that is just a Wall Street model today, where they have an incredible business and operational system and a, a really lackluster, poor product that has not performed. And I look at why they've been so successful. It's not because of the product. And it's very similar to the McDonald's and the quality of their hamburger, right? They're so successful because of their operations, not because of the quality of their food. So if you look at alternative investments, I believe that there are gems in the alternative space, whether it's a rental property or whether it's other alternative investments. However, there's tremendous risk. And that risk may not always be, I would say rarely is the actual product itself, the offering of the investment. It's the actual people behind it and their operational structure, their background, their experience, because that tells you a lot about what they will do when it comes to challenges uh, in the economy or challenges with their business, which is an inevitability. So I hope you guys enjoy this first segment of really understanding the hierarchy of wealth so that you can figure out ways in which you position where your wealth is and where your money is allocated and where you focus your attention and focus your time and what you decide as a pursuit of expertise when it comes to understanding certain investment categories. And I think you get a kick out of it. And then I hope you guys enjoy the rest of the season, this next four months, where we're going to be talking on Fridays about financial strategy. Hi, everyone. My name is Patrick Donahoe. Thank you for attending my presentation. I hope you are gaining value so far based on the other speakers and some of the things they have been teaching you. And there's still a lot more to go. And this presentation, I hope, adds to that. First, I wanted to acknowledge you for being here and the time you have been willing to invest in listening to what my expertise is. This is what I do outside of being the co-host of the summit as well as the co-founder, and it's something I've dedicated my life to. And it does mean a lot to me that you are investing time, you're investing attention, and I don't take that lightly. So thank you for really doing the things that I believe are necessary to accomplishing financial freedom and achieving your goals. So thank you for being here. So my topic today is called the hierarchy of wealth. The hierarchy of wealth is something that I created to help me as well as the clients that I work with in the personal advising space to prioritize investments and financial decisions and opportunities. And that priority is very important because there are so many choices today, and um, we're adding to these choices and adding to the opportunities just based on what you're learning at the summit. But where do those opportunities fall in your specific strategy and your specific path to those end goals that you're seeking? I believe that the hierarchy of wealth is a very simple model so that you can position certain assets in different places, as well as their priority and sequence. And this is something that I use personally, and it's helped me personally to stay focused. Now, before I get into really the meat of the presentation today, I wanted to introduce myself for those of you who may not know who I am. So first, I'm the author of the book, Heads I Win, Tails You Lose, a financial strategy to reignite the American dream. 
And it's something that took me a couple of years to write, and it just was released this past summer. And it's been well received, and it has a lot of my stories in there, my experiences over the years, and also a lot of details in regards to the financial strategies that, uh, that my firm specializes in. Now, I'm also the host of the Wealth Standard podcast, uh, which has been out there for over 10 years, started in about 2007. It is something I love doing. I have to interview a lot of people and talk about things that are of interest to me. And so the topics range anything from financial strategy to financial products to economic issues and economic theories to investing, business. And I do get into a lot of personal development topics as well. And so if you haven't listened to the podcast, I would encourage you to do so. It means a lot to me to support me. And it's something I love doing and I'm passionate about. Also, and this is kind of getting into the my expertise and that of my firm, but I was recently honored by Investopedia as one of the top 100 most influential financial advisors. And it comes down to the influence that we've had in the marketplace by putting out what our financial strategies are and how they are benefiting the lives of our clients. And I do that through my firm, which is Paradigm Life. And Paradigm Life, I am the president and CEO. I also still do some advising, personal advising, but we specialize in certain financial strategies that help people achieve financial independence. And I would say in addition to that, I'm pretty active on social media, relatively active. I guess there's those that are very active, uh, but I'm relatively active on, on social media and would love to connect with you uh, there. I share a lot of information and other resources that you may find valuable. All right, so let's kind of get into the hierarchy of wealth. Now, the hierarchy is something that didn't necessarily just spawn one morning. It's, I believe, a conglomeration of the experiences that I've had with individuals and their unique financial situations. We do business with people all over the country, in Canada, and even outside of the United States. So I have had the tremendous privilege to see where people are in their finances, what they're trying to do, what are some of their challenges, what are some of the things that keep them up at night. And I've been able to position certain strategies to help them. In addition to that, I've you know, experienced the thing I said just a moment ago, which is all of the investment opportunities and ideas and innovations that are out, that's out there. And it gets confusing sometimes. And I get really excited about certain things and become unfocused on others. So the hierarchy of wealth is something that helps me. It's a simple model where you can position and prioritize your wealth building by essentially adding a label to the different opportunities that you have. Now, the model, and if you recognize kind of the pyramid and the, the word hierarchy, it originated from Abraham Maslow. And I was participating in a business event, and the training was around the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And as I was learning about that psychological model that outlines our instinctive behaviors to pursue certain things, you know, our what's called human needs, I made a connection between that and, and finance. So what I'll do first is just explain what the hierarchy of needs is for those of you who are unfamiliar with it. Abraham Maslow was a very famous psychologist and this is a very famous model that has been used in a number of publications and a number of contexts. And the model essentially illustrates the sequence of needs that we have as human beings and also the order in which we seek those needs. So the first is kind of the foundational level of the pyramid, which is physiological. So physiological is food, shelter, and clothing. 
And ultimately, we seek those instinctively before we seek anything else. Now, once we have established food, shelter, and clothing, we seek to establish safety. And that could be the safety of our community, our neighborhood, the country that we live in, the state that we live in, seeking a safe environment. So we naturally seek that once we have established our physiological needs. Now, as you've established physiological safety, then once those two are established, the next need that we naturally seek is relationships. And those relationships could be you know, friendships or family or community, but also our intimate relationships with a partner. And that is something that comes again after our basic foundational physiological needs are met, our safety needs are met, and then of course we pursue those relationships. Now, once those three sets of needs are established, the next thing we seek is self-esteem, our identity, our meaning in the world, the things that we do that may separate us from others, our self-concept, I guess. There's a number of ways to explain it, but we seek to separate ourselves from others. We seek to magnify who we are and in our uniqueness compared to others. And then finally, once you've established all of these others, physiological, safety, relationships, self-esteem, you pursue what Maslow called self-actualization. And self-actualization is essentially pursuing something outside of you. It's a kind of an altruistic idea, if you will, where you're seeking not for personal gain, but you're seeking to provide ultimate value for people. Now, what does this have to do with anything you're probably asking yourself? For me, it is a very famous model that makes sense. And I believe as human beings, we like models to create context for us, which be organized or help us understand or give us direction or simplify. And so what I did is I essentially connected the dots between the hierarchy of needs and how to position investments and financial decisions. And that's where we created the hierarchy of wealth. So I believe this correlation is really important for you to understand it. I'm going to make, try to make it as simple as possible. So the two arrows that you see here, the first arrow going down is control and influence. And I'd also say it corresponds to the nature of certainty. And then if you go to the red side, it is uncertainty and then risk, the probability of loss. So the idea is on tier one, tier two, and tier three, and tier four, these are different types of investment decisions, investments themselves, financial decisions could be considered here. And the bottom tier is where you have the highest degree of certainty. It's because of an element that you possess of control and influence. And then the higher up you go, the more risk you take on because of the uncertainty. So it's essentially the categorization of assets. So tier one, I would say, is your financial foundation. An easy way to explain that is your reserves, your you know, this sleep well at night account, the money that's set aside specifically when things don't go the way in which you had planned. I would say financial education is a big part of tier one. Insurance, insuring against those events that you may not be able to adequately prepare for. Organization skills, your business and how your business is set up, and just your overall financial strategy. Having a financial statement is also part of tier one. So these are these foundational elements upon which rest all the other investments that you have as well as financial decisions. Now, tier two, I would say, is investments where you have more control and influence. And I would say in tier two, you can identify yourself as an asset, something that produces cash flow. 
And I believe we are our number one assets because there is the greatest rate of return based on the money that we put into ourselves for whether it's financial education or professional education or you know, just maximizing our ability to create value. But I'd also say that there's some other you know, investments that would fit in here that have uh, collateral, that produce cash flow, and that where you have control and influence. And I'm not getting into specific examples right now. I'll talk about that in just a minute. Okay, I'm trying to get the general concept across. Tier three are investments that you have less control over. It's basically money that you will give to another person. And I would say tier three is when you do give money to another person, you have a level of education where you can ask the right questions. You understand what the money is doing. There is cash flow associated with that investment. And also that investment is where you're able to you know, essentially ask the right questions, do the right due diligence, understand the mechanics of what is going on, and potentially also have collateral associated with it, an actual tangible asset of the underlying investment, the money that you're putting in. So I would say tier three is not where you have the ultimate control and influence, but it's where there are investments that you understand and you hand it, you know, your money over to somebody else to actually make a return. And then tier four, I would say, are assets that you have the least control and influence over, and it's where the highest risks exist. And I would also say that these tiers also do not have the education that you possess. It is not adequate to understand the underlying investment. And so I would say tier four, this is coincidentally where most people have their money. And it's interesting if you, you know, were to kind of flip the pyramid around, I would say the typical financial mindset and typical financial plan is to start with your mutual funds, your 401k assets that are in something where you just hand your money over to a money manager or an investment bank and just trust they're competent enough to make a return for you and give you the end result that you're looking for way down the road. And I don't think that's realistic. I think that's, in a sense, uh, irresponsible. But it's interesting to know that you know if you look at establishing foundation and building on that foundation, that is how I look at wealth building. That's how I have looked at success based on the numerous experiences that I've had with individuals and their personal finances. But it is almost the complete opposite to how you know, we as a society are taught to manage our money and what we're supposed to do with our money and how to invest. Okay, so that's kind of just the basics of the hierarchy. I'm going to dive a little bit deeper into the story of how this was created. There were a number of events that happened. There was an event back in 2013 that touched me deeply, and it helped me start to put some of these elements together. And it was an investment conference where I was speaking, and a number of Rich Dad advisors were speaking, and and actually Robert Kiyosaki himself. Robert Kiyosaki is the author of Rich Dad Poor Dad. He's spoke on our summit a couple of years ago, and his wife has also spoken a few times, Kim Kiyosaki. The Rich Dad advisors are specialists in a particular field that Robert Kiyosaki has chosen to have as his personal advisors, as well as those who have written books underneath his brand. So I, I get you know Andy Tanner and Tom Wheelwright, the other co-founders of the summit, and Andy Tanner this year, one of the co-hosts. They are Rich Dad advisors in particular areas. And very intelligent, very giving people. And I've learned a tremendous amount from all of them. But this particular time in 2013 is what was very simple, but I had not connected the dots before. So this is what I was taught by Ken McElroy and Josh and Lisa Lannon. 
And it came down to a continuum or an order of focus to create the most amount of wealth. And it started with producing money as a business is where your business is going to produce the most amount of wealth and cash flow. Now, I would also add to this, it's not just your business. If you don't have a business, it doesn't mean that it's not going to produce cash flow. I would also say it's the business of you. Okay, and it's your ability to educate yourself, figure out ways to be more valuable to others, and in return, receive compensation for that value. So the idea is to produce as much of this cash flow as possible. And then once you're producing that cash flow, it's setting aside a certain percentage outside of your lifestyle to capitalize on investment. And the investment, if you haven't read the book Rich Dad Poor Dad, the definition of an asset is something that puts money in your pocket. So an asset, according to that definition, is also producing cash flow. And so the idea is to build your cash flow to the point where it's passive, there's not much time or effort on your part, which allows you the mental wherewithal to produce more money as a business or as an individual. And I would say here is where there are infinite possibilities associated with you learning something and being of value to other people. And so the financial decisions I make, the investments that I position is to essentially be an infrastructure for me to figure out a way to be the most valuable to others. And so you taking on this mindset, you first have to consider yourself your most valuable asset because you are. Now, once you've established that belief or that idea, now it's figuring out ways to educate your asset so that you are more valuable to other people. All right, so it's a model or a continuum that's simple but it connected so many dots for me. I would say that it doesn't matter how big your business is or no business. If you're an established business owner or you're just out of college in your entry-level job, it doesn't matter, okay? I would say when you identify yourself as an asset, you figure out ways to maximize it, which I would say requires education, but it also requires leverage. It requires insight by others, coaching being in the right environments and the right social groups. There's so many different ways in which you can figure out how to take who you are and be of value to somebody else and have a financial remuneration for that exchange. There's no barrier to entry to understand yourself as an asset. But I would say the equation that you do want to understand is that here you are, and if you improve your education, that education, it's not formal or it Education, I would say the definition is to improve your capacity to be valuable to somebody else. So increasing education increases your value, and then an increase in value gives you more money. And I would say right here, as I mentioned before, there's infinite possibilities there. It's something you can always work on. And as you establish passive cash flow, that enables more of this. Okay, so hopefully I've established that point. So now I'm going to basically expand off of that continuum. So I'll I'll draw one more time. So you have business, whether it's your specific business or the business of you, okay, and you produce value, you get money in return, and then you make investment. So this is where it comes down to the hierarchy of wealth, where you essentially are able to categorize 
the priority of what you establish first, then second, then third, then fourth. Okay, so I'm going to just break down some of the assets and give you some examples. Okay, so first, as you are producing cash flow and you are investing that cash flow, tier one is what gets filled up first. Now, tier one, I would say these are assets, but they're also financial decisions. So let's talk about a few of those. And some of these decisions may not be an investment. It is the stereotypical investment, something that puts money in your pocket. But it might be an organization. It might be a financial team. So I'm going to list off a few things here. So I would say whatever dollar amount allows you to sleep well at night and not have to worry about losing the primary income and having six months or 12 months to figure it out, that right there is some of the most valuable money ever. Then I would say getting rid of bad debt, if that's a situation that you're in, is a good decision in tier one. I would say your financial team is important to establish. I would say asset protection falls there as well as your business structure. And there's a number of other things that really relate to the specific situation of the individual. But this is your foundation. Now, this is a foundation that may not produce any return, but it is a foundation that will essentially ensure that wherever a tier two investment, tier three or tier four investment goes, you are protected. Whereas I see most people when one of these goes wrong, it crashes the entire house of cards. So it's important to establish your foundation first, which creates an abundant mindset, a mindset that allows you to make better decisions, to focus more on really where your strengths are and how you can use those strengths to produce massive value for others. Establishing that foundation is paramount. Okay, so this is, I would say, where my team and I and our expertise falls. We feel and have used it as a, over the test of time and in in the thousands of clients that we've worked with, okay, that there is one fundamental tool that should be in your tier one arsenal. And it is a specific type of life insurance policy. And it is a life insurance policy that isn't your stereotypical life insurance. It's a life insurance policy that when you design it, acts like a growth vehicle that has a liquid cash value as well as a number of other benefits. So let me explain just briefly how that works. So as we're talking about the foundational asset, as you are producing cash flow and you're filling up your bucket as far as reserves are concerned, we encourage that you systematically save and put aside a certain percentage of your income. And that percentage first builds whatever your reserve requirement is, six to 12 months. But then, you know, I would say beyond that is where you start to get into other investments. But even in the six to 12 months of reserves, the account that we encourage, which we have defined as the wealth maximization account, which is this specific type of life insurance policy designed in a specific way, meets the criteria of this tier one asset. It's something that you have control and influence over, but it's also something that can't lose. There is a contractual guarantee backed by some of the strongest institutions in the world, but also you have a higher amount of interest that's earned on your reserves. You have a level of protection as well, but you also have the ability 
to take a loan against the growing value in this account. And that is really important when it comes to making investments in tier two, tier three, and tier four. So the wealth maximization account is something that we design based on what your situation is. And we design it first to establish the reserves that help you sleep better at night. But then once that is established, then the money beyond that essentially become what we call your opportunity fund. Okay, so that's step one. This is step two. And the opportunity fund or opportunity amount is what you identify as the amount of money to invest. And typically that investment is going to be in tier two. All right, so hope you guys are following me so far, but I'm gonna get into something that may seem somewhat complex, but that's why in our virtual booth, I basically am giving away the chapters that talk about the hierarchy of wealth and get into the wealth maximization account and get into more details that I just don't have the time to get into today. But the idea of establishing your reserves, I would say is paramount. Then getting into money above and beyond that reserve amount as your opportunity fund, essentially at that point, as you start to acquire tier two investments, tier two investments also produce cash flow. And as you use the loan provision that is afforded to you by the insurance company, the cash flow from that asset is paying back the loan that was taken to capitalize it in the first place, which keeps you disciplined to continually save and be disciplined to pay back and then capitalize more investments. Because every time you make a loan payment, okay, that money is available to make another investment. So as you establish your reserve amount, the six to 12 months of your living expenses, comfortable living expenses, and now you have money that is available that's above and beyond that, which we're calling the opportunity fund, that is when you essentially start to look for opportunities to increase your cash flow to make more money. So this might be first, you know, as far as a tier two is concerned, these could be personal development type of investments. And that's basically investing in yourself. It could be a certification for the career that you're in or the profession that you're in. It could be learning leadership and management skills. It could be to invest in a paid mastermind group. Kyle Wilson, who's one of the speakers this year, that's one of his primary businesses is establishing these high-level paid mastermind groups in different parts of the country. And these are groups of people that get together. They're in different professions, different ages, different goals, different priorities, but they get together and exchange ideas and brainstorm and mastermind so that you can get insight, have your own kind of board of directors in a sense to gain insight into what your biggest and best opportunities are. And so definitely, if you're interested in that, pay attention to Kyle. But the ideal thing, again, in tier two, are these are investments that you control and have influence over. So it may not be a personal development course. Maybe it is purchasing a property, a property that you hold title to, a property that you control, a property that you have influence over. It also could be if you are a business owner to capitalize on hiring somebody or a marketing strategy or ways in which you can improve the cash flow of the business. So tier two assets, they're vast, but the idea is that as you acquire those, you acquire them by using your opportunity fund, which is essentially a loan provided by the insurance company. Once you capitalize it, the discipline over whether that investment is working or not is the cash flow that it's producing. 
And the loan payback acts as kind of a disciplined way to ensure that it was a worthwhile investment. As I personally have analyzed hundreds of different types of investments, ranging from real estate investments to commodity type of investments to trading investments, I've heard a number of, I would never say that I've heard them all, okay, but I've heard about lots of different types of investments. And this is where I would say it's important to realize that it's all subjective. These aren't just absolute rules because you may know a certain field better than another field. And that may, for you, be a tier three or tier two investment. For me, it might be a tier four investment because I don't have that background or education. So again, as you're positioning where your investment opportunities are, a great thing to just ask yourself is how much you know about the mechanics of an investment. How much control do you have? How much influence do you have? What's the liquidity? And then if you don't have some of those variables, then it kind of kicks into tier three and you are now asking questions based on your expertise or education around that investment instead of blindly giving money to people. That's what I would consider a tier four investment. So the idea here is just to essentially have a way in which you categorize your investments. Now, from a percentage standpoint, a percentage of wealth, I have broken them down into different ranges as far as how much of your total wealth should be in tier one, tier two, tier three, and tier four. And here are the ranges that I found the most successful. So your foundation, which is your tier one investment, this is 30 to 50% of your wealth. Tier two, 30 to 40% of your wealth. Tier three, 10 to 30%. And then tier four, I put zero to 5%. And I believe that you know a focus on just the first three can get you to the point where you have achieved financial freedom in a really short period of time. But it's establishing a foundation and going in the right sequence. And as this whole ecosystem is working for you, the idea is to focus the financial returns from the investment as a means, as a medium to discover what is truly the best thing that you can do with your time to create value for other people. And I would consider that, again, this infinite type of investment that you should always be focused on. Now, what I wanted to do as I wrap up is to teach you about this in the context of a story. And it's a client that I believe represents this story very well. And it's also a client that is stereotypical of those that we work with and how the concept of the hierarchy of wealth has helped them to be more organized, have more certainty, and have more direction associated with their finance. So I'd like you guys to meet John with how we do business at Paradigm Life, which is virtually where we don't necessarily meet with people face-to-face in person. We do meet with some, of course, but the majority, 95% plus, are those that we connect with and do business with virtually. And we meet similar to this, like through a video conference. And John was one of these relationships. So I met John about, I think it was about three years ago, and he was just one of those driven guys that was excited about life, similar to like my four-year-old who has an on switch and he has an off switch. And his on switch is just, it's all, all out all the time. And that was kind of like John. John was really excited. He was motivated. He was driven. And so you probably know somebody that's similar to that. But he was excited about life. And at the time, he was in a high paying government job, which was difficult for him to leave, especially with the carrot of a pension 
that he had. Now, it was in California, but regardless, he had put a lot of time into this profession and wanted to you know, essentially stick it out for a certain period of time where he became vested in his pension. He had money in the stock market. He had a 401k on obviously his pension, but he discovered this entrepreneurial drive inside of himself and started to pursue those type of investments. And so he had a few real estate investments, a couple of single family homes, uh, and he also had a handful of mobile, individual mobile homes. Now, his master plan was to leave this particular municipality once he achieved his tenure or his vesting, which was 20 years. So he had a few years to go, about two years at the time that I met him. And his dream, which I won't get to the backstory, was to open a hospice franchise for a variety of reasons. So I knew a lot of this before I even met John because of the team that I work in and, and how they you know, do some discovery to see if our services are the right fit for people. So I was really excited to meet with him because of how driven he was and the interactions that took place before I was able to meet with him. So how I usually start my meetings is by asking a very simple question, which is, what keeps them up at night? And so I asked John this question, and that's when he unloaded. He described this drive within him and this frustration that his job was creating, right, to pursue what he really wanted to do. He talked about his investment experience and also talked about some of the investment losses that he had. But he also went into that his time is so spread thin where he's not able to focus because he's going to conferences, he's going to events, he had a financial coaching thing he was doing, he had his job, he had his family as well. And he just started to drop balls and he made some bad decisions with some investments and started to run up credit cards. He actually was using credit cards to purchase the mobile homes and thought he would be able to get enough cash flow to pay them off before the you know zero percent phase was done, that which didn't happen. So he had his finances all over the place and everything was disorganized. And it was really keeping him up at night. And really the level of uncertainty that he had was at all time high. So as I took his story and and took some of the concerns and challenges that he was facing, I could sympathize with him because I had seen those very similar financial situations with other people that I've met with. Uh, And this is where I started to explain to him how the hierarchy of wealth worked. And it was a model that was so simple that we started to talk about all the different things that he was involved with and started to place them in those different tiers. And we found out that most of what he was doing was in tier three and tier four. And it was putting his entire life in jeopardy. So what we did, the first uh, milestone was to figure out a way with some of his budgeting and cash flow to set aside 10% of what he was currently making into a wealth maximization account. And he committed to me to not make any other investments or make investments decisions until he had established his sleep well at night account. And we wanted to achieve 12 months of his expenses because it wasn't just him sleeping well at night, but it was his spouse who was also not sleeping very well at night. So the first order of business, right, was to set aside a systematic way in which John could save into a wealth maximization account. And then we started to establish reserves. And at the same time, we're paying off some of his high interest credit card debt, which required actually selling a couple of his properties. One was sold at a loss, but we felt that this was something that made sense because of the high interest that he was paying. And also the fact that two of the properties were not performing at what he was anticipating. 
so those are the first couple of priorities. The fourth priority and milestone was to start to establish in his opportunity fund the down payment for that first franchise. But something else occurred during this whole process. It was the fact that with this franchise that he wanted to open up, there was a team involved, a team of experienced nurses and licensed people, which he was not. And in the team, I can't remember what the minimum number of people was, but it was just under a dozen. And John hadn't had much leadership or management experience. And so this was one of those overlooked things that because he didn't have that background or experience, he was now going to have to rely on those skills, which he didn't have to operate a franchise. And so we came to the conclusion that this was something that he should not invest in until that experience or that understanding of leadership and management was in place. So the plan, it was his idea where he found some opportunities within the municipality to do a lateral move, which wouldn't put in jeopardy anything that he had established of, as far as his benefits were concerned. And it was essentially being over first and second year employees to the municipality. It wasn't a two-year plan. It ended up being a little bit longer than three years, but he established essentially an idea of how to run a team, started to study management, started to study leadership. And he felt he was adequate at being able to provide a good office environment, a good team and business environment to make this franchise work. That mindset was paramount and everything changed. I mean, his priorities changed. Some other opportunities presented themselves. But the idea behind the hierarchy of wealth, it helped to create context and focus of what he had and how that related to what his goals and the things that he wanted to achieve with his life were. So it was an amazing experience for me and an amazing experience for him as well. As I look at John's situation and your situation and the countless others that I've, I've been fortunate to meet with, this is a model that is subjective. It is based on your situation, which could be having a lot of money, but still not being able to sleep all night to having no money. The hierarchy of wealth is a great way to set the foundation of a context that could give you direction of what to focus on first. So you guys, this is something that I love to talk about. I love finance and I love seeing people succeed. I've seen a lot of success over the course of, of my career, which has been you know, almost going into the 12th year. And it's something that is inspiring to me personally, but I also see a lot of failure. And, and that failure is definitely preventable. At the same time, there's only so many things that, that we know. And I've failed a lot at investing in the past and, and business as well. And, and I've discovered ways in which I can take those lessons and use them to empower me and to achieve better things for myself. So from a financial perspective, I'm confident that this is a model that could benefit you and can help you. And it could allow you to position your investments in a way that gives you a degree of certainty that I believe is part of the mindset of financial freedom. And it's impossible to be financially free without it. And so I, I thank you guys for being here. I hope that you found value in this. So as far as you know, some resources are concerned, as far as learning more about this mindset, this philosophy, these strategies, I think the best direction to give you is through the audio and PDF that's available to you for free in the booth that talks about hierarchy of wealth, as well as the wealth maximization account. And then the book link, if you'd like to purchase the book, is there as well. 
And there's a whole study guide that's online that has dozens and dozens of videos in there that further that, uh, that teaching. And that comes complementary with the book. Actually, I think you can access it even without the book. So you can go to headsortailsiwin.com and you can register for the study guide. And also subscribe to the podcast. This is where I'm always talking about these ideas and talking about ways in which you can improve your life, improve your finances. And I would be honored if you subscribe. So guys, that's it for me today. Thank you so much for spending this time, for investing in yourself. I wish you the best when it comes to your investing and on your road to financial freedom. And I hope to hear from you soon or at least hear about your success. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Standard Podcast. Be sure to visit the show's official website, thewealthstandard.com, for appropriate disclaimers and terms of service. Guest opinions are their own. If you require specific investing, financial, legal, tax, or any other specialized advice, please consult an appropriate professional. We welcome and appreciate reviews of the show. Head on over to iTunes or Stitcher to leave your review. And don't forget to subscribe to the show to get access to every new episode and exclusive interviews this season. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Lord,